the most misunderstood book by professing Christendom and sometimes even our own Christian brethren and sisters. But it's a book that we need to read and also ask God for understanding of His Word. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Would you pray with me right now? Would you ask God's blessing on His Word? Jesus, our mighty King, speak the word of wisdom to us. We're glad to be in your house. We're glad your word is still alive. We are in your presence. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for what we're going to do today in this service, God. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Living under condemnation. Living under condemnation. I don't know of any better way to explain it than the way Paul speaks of his life. Now, let me tell you up front. The religious world will tell you this is Paul speaking after he was saved. That he was struggling with sin. That he was struggling with his old life. But that is not true. Romans is a book that tells you where you're coming from and where you are and where you're going and how you're going to get there. And Paul, being a scholar the way he is, used metaphors. He was familiar with the cruelty of the Roman punishment of terrorists and people that broke the Roman Caesar's law. If they were not crucified, they were beheaded. If they were not beheaded, they were banished. They loved to banish people. But they always make sure those being punished is a public spectacle. That others would not follow their footprints. Rome reigned by terror. Daniel talked about them with iron claws, teeth, and fingers like brass. How cruel they were. Read the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel, and you'll see how cruel Roman was depicted as being. But Paul is writing here, and one of the things they used to do is they would take a dead, decomposed body of an enemy and wrap it on the back, the naked back, of a living person. And they not being far from desert land would expel them into a desert land and chain them to that dead body that they could not release themselves. The living would wish they were dead because the maggots and the worms that were in the body of the dead person would begin to eat into the body of the live person. It was an easy transference of the maggots and the worms and so they would wish they would die under the sweltering heat. They could not 
free themselves from this body. I want you to imagine them in the desert with this thing on their back, chain in their hands, are such incapacitated that they couldn't free themselves. And they couldn't do anything to get rid of this dead body. And that dead body would be on their back till they literally die. And that's how they would die. Well, Paul is looking at sin and classifying sin as dead man walking on a living man's body. And he cried for deliverance. He tried to tell us how a person in sin would love and desire to be delivered from their sins. He compared that to a man with this dead body crying for deliverance. Oh, that somebody would deliver me from this terrible, terrible, atrocious act that's on my back. We call it the monkey on my back. They say the monkey's a dead body on my back. Who would deliver me from such a death? Paul said that's how sin was to him before conversion. Not after he was converted. Because if you read the chapter very carefully, chapter 6 and 7 is telling you how life was before Christ became the Savior. And he's telling us if Christ is our Savior, then we cannot be in that situation. It's not possible that I should be living a life of condemnation. And so he described the, the terribleness of it. Now, the source of condemnation, if you look carefully, Paul is writing as if he's saying, I'm looking in a mirror, and I don't like what I see of myself. I want to close my eyes and shut down reality. I don't want to see it. It's like looking in the Word of God and hear it ringing in his ears and would like to stop his ear that he may not hear it. The Word of God. He didn't want to hear it. And he said, The motions of sin, amen, had caught me captive. He said, Look, I didn't want to admit it, but the motion of sin was resident and rampant in my body. He did not want to confirm the fact that iniquity was deep in his skin, in his soul, in his body, in his spirit. And so his conscience would haunt him. And as it haunted, it troubled me, he would say, and try to sear it. But he couldn't back it off. He couldn't get rid of the mirror. He couldn't get rid of the word. He couldn't get rid of the motion that's in causing commotion in his body. And now his conscience is bothering him. And he said, now this truth I find offensive. He called the truth the laws of God. He said, oh, the law, nothing wrong with the law, but it's me that's sinful. And so that which was sinful become my enemy. He said, look, I find truth offensive. And I don't want to hear it. So he wanted to turn it off. Like one king, he took his pen knife and began to cut up the word. Because he didn't want to read what he saw. And so he, he threw it in the fire. 
unfortunately for him, God added to the word and sent him another batch, another text message, and said, here's what's going to happen here. Well, he died with a disease, incurable disease, and his belly gushed out. It fall to the ground. We call it cancer today. And so man don't like light. And Paul is talking about how light became offensive to him because light would expose his shame. And he didn't want to see his shame. didn't want to know that he was a sinful man. And his heart even crippled him with condemnation. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Today we call this schizophrenia. We call it depression. We have all these sophisticated psychological phenomenal but God says it's just plain old sin running rampant in the body and the soul of the spirit of man men don't like to see the mirror they don't want to hear the word of God the most of them sin they'll admit it's in their body in their fiber they don't talk about their conscience and the light of God is just offensive to them so they avoid it that's why some folks don't like church one psychologist said go to any church but a Pentecostal church because they're reminded you're a sinner. And you don't want to go where they're going to remind you you're a sinner. I was discussing how, how effective one group of people are in their outreach because all they talk is about the kingdom of God. They never discuss hell. They tell you about your family going to be there and going to be a beautiful oasis in the paradise. I mean, who wouldn't want that? doesn't matter how you live, just... Amen. You're going to have all that beautiful stuff. People will gravitate to that. Their buildings are packed wall to wall because people like freebies and handouts. Amen. One guy said, I'm preaching against sin because that's, that's not my calling. My calling is to motivate and try to inspire and make them feel good about themselves. But all that may sound good in the flesh, but honey, but at the end thereof is a ditch. There's a ditch. God said, Preacher, be careful when all men speak well of you. For so speak they the false prophet. Elijah was hated by Ahab. He said, Oh, you found me, oh, my enemy. He said, I'm not your enemy. He said, You sold yourself to sin. And when you sin, I, I preached against your sin. He said, You're my enemy. So that's what he called him. Then he called Micah. He said, I hate him. Why do you hate Micah? Because... He never tell me what I want to hear. He never tell me anything I want to hear. He always tell me things I don't want to hear. I don't want to see the mirror. I don't want the Word of God. I don't want to be reminded that these motions are working and cause me commotion. Don't tell me about my conscience. I don't want to deal with it. Or the truth, it's offensive. And, and the light is, 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 just, is just repulsive to me. And don't talk about my heart. He says, I hate him. Put him in jail. God said, if you come back alive, then I know God didn't call me. What Paul is saying here, before God met him in his life, he looked back at it and realized that he was in a life of repeated offense. He was a repeated offender. Not just one. Nobody got killed for sin. But he that sinneth. It's the sinneth that kill. When you keep repeating, then you don't mean what you say. Repentance and confession is two different things. You can confess but not repent. But you can't repent and not confess. And there's a difference. 
And so Paul says, I feel like a repeated offender. I am full of blemish and my lifestyle is corruptible and contemptible. This is a body of sin I cannot live with. You know, some folks can't live with themselves. You know, you can walk away from your boss. You can walk away from your friends. But you can't walk away from a crying conscience that says, look, you're losing the battle on two fronts. You're losing the battle on two fronts. He said, look, the things I should not do, that's what I'm doing. And the thing which I ought to do, I do not. What he's saying is, I'm so sinful, I'm losing the battle on both fronts. I'm not winning. I'm being overcome. He said, the battle is about me. And the problem is, I must confess, he said, my ears are dull of hearing. And my carnal mind is beyond persuasion. I am sensual, he says. I'm living a life of double-mindedness. I'm doing things I don't like to do. And the things I plan to do, that do I not. And so I see my heart is deceived. And I'm just living a life that's double. I am not what you're looking at. I got a ghost on my back. I'm struggling with my untamed life. My uncontrolled tongue. My works of the flesh that eat like a cancer to my system. He said, look, I'm carnal. My mind is carnal. My life is carnal. My speech is carnal. I'm so under sin. Can't you see? I'm a servant to sin. I'm a slave to sin. I'm perishing within the works of the flesh. They're all mine. I'm living under condemnation. Who can deliver me from such controversy and such confused, conflicting lifestyle. Oh, wretched man! Like a hymn. No, church, he's not talking poetically. He's screaming out for help. It's a cry for help. Oh, wretched man! That I am! Who will separate me from this awesome captivity? I am a captive. I'm shackled. Who can deliver me? I need to be rescued before I destroy myself. He's saying there's a war going on in my members. There's a war going on in my mind. My ballast is fought in my mind. My mind is the battleground. And my heart feels the consequence there is. And in my body there are emotions of sin. He said, look, I violated every rules of misconduct, often overtaken by my faults. He said, look, my tongue is untamed. My stand for God is equivocal. In other words, it's neither here or there. One minute I want God, next minute I don't want God. I'm confused. I know I should do this, but I do that. And I know I shouldn't do that, but I do this. He said, look, all I can give you is vain conversation. My life is a thorn in my flesh. Who can pick it out? He's crying. The problem is I just can't keep my body in submission. I have a problem keeping self-control. I'm not in subjection even to my own son. I seem captive at will. Satan captivated me where he wants to. 
He controlled my tongue when I don't even want him to use it. He used my members to be rebellious when I don't even want him to. I just yield myself servant to sin. I feel the paralysis of a lack of control. Oh, wretched man that I am! I'm tired of living under condemnation. That's what he's saying. I think Paul feel like the prodigal out there. Wasted life. Wasted moments. Paul felt like he's constantly be overtaken by a fault. You know, when there's a fault in a diamond, the price goes down. When there's a fault in your life, your value goes down. When the fault in the earth building collapses, surely God's talking to somebody tonight, today, who's tired of living regrets, sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, but that's not repentance, because when there's repentance, sin is not repeated. Confused with the difference between repentance and confession. You see, God is telling this young man called Paul, you have the potential to be a vessel of honor, to bear the name of the greatest king on the earth, but you have to deal with those things that make you servant to sin. You see, repentance leads to conversion. True conversion always involve putting off and putting on. Oh, true conversion which comes from repentance always involve crucifying the flesh, amputate the lustful desire, amen, and forsaken the old ways, the path of sin that leads down to the pigsty. And the walling of the mire, Paul realized, who will deliver me from my body of sin? He's not talking about a man who was once saved and fell by the wayside. He's talking about a man that is caught in sin trap and long for deliverance. There are people out there, they go to many halfway houses, they go to addiction centers, and they go to all these different places trying to deal with their conscience and deal with their hang-ups, and they can't get free because they don't know how to cut off that man that's in their life. They don't know how to crucify the works of the flesh. They have a problem amputating the, 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 the cancer that's in there. They will not see it surgically removed. And just by sweeping over it is not the same as digging it out. you got to dig it out. you got to root it up. you got to throw out the old root and tear it down and build a new life. Otherwise you'll always be feeling like Paul says. Romans 7 says, when Paul looked at his life in the mirror, in chapter 7, he what he sees, he sees that sin is offensive to me. And I feel helpless to deal with it. Sin has deceived me. Sin has slew me. Slew me. It left me feel like I'm being killed. It killed me. It sold me. It controlled me. It condemned me. It enslaved me. Chapter 7 says, I'm war against it, but I'm not winning. It captures me. 
It's in my member. It possessed me. It messed up my mind. Sin. And the way there's going to be someone don't want death. Oh God, can somebody release me from this body of sin? Let's worship God. To break free. What Paul's looking for in that chapter is found in chapter 8. When you really are tired of living a double life, when you're tired of being double minded, then deliverance is possible. When you're tired of walking crooked and you want to walk straight, then you can be healed. When you want to give up and put off and wear a new life, you can be under new management if you choose to. There is a healing balm that can convert any malaise from the errors of their sin. There is a God with a long arm that want to pull you out of the fire. There's a blood that's available to cover multitudes of sin. And there's a grace of God that can cover up your shame. There is a fountain deep and wide that flows deep from Emmanuel vein and says plunge Beneath the flood and find the guilt of stain of the past remove. I'm talking about a blood that can present you and me faultless. I'm talking about a power that can keep you from falling. I'm talking about a God that's here this morning that said if you're tired of regrets and wasteful living and you're tired of the master you're under, I can make you belong to another master. Because if any man or woman is in Christ, all things become new. All things are passed away. Second Peter 1, 48, give us an advertising possibilities. He said there are nine virtues that will not hurt you. I said there are nine virtues that will not hurt you if you will put off that old man and put on that new man. If you're tired of pollution and you want God revolution in your life, then you're in the right place. Because if any man is in Christ, he's a brand new born again creature. All sins are past. And behold, all things are new. You can get rid of this dead body this morning. You don't have to go to bed tonight with the same old corpse. I'm trying to tell you, you can live a life where there's no more guile in your mouth. You can live a life where no longer you can be buffeted for fault because God can present you faultless. I'm telling you this morning, if you confess and forsake 
your ways and your faults. God is just to forgive and forget and to remit the past if you can just yield to the Spirit that's wooing you. Amen. If you today would resist the devil and submit to God, what a change there could be in a person's life. You could have power to keep your body in subjection to the will of God and the mind of God. I'm trying to tell somebody, you don't have to live the rest of your days under condemnation. There's a big word in the Bible called justification. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. God is trying to talk to somebody in this church. How do I live a life, God, without condemnation? He said, who can? He said, there's nothing wrong with the word. The problem is me. There's nothing wrong with the messenger. It's me. There's nothing wrong even with the laws of God. It's me. It's me, oh God. Standing in the need of deliverance. Oh God, I would to God that you deliver me. I'm tired and sick and tired of being condemned by my tongue. I'm tired of my spirit running wild and going a roll, God. I'm tired of my heart, God, being not conscientious that it's sinful. Lord, I'm tired of walking the crooked path. Oh, God, give me the backbone to confess and repent and change my ways. I can live without condemnation. Paul says, how? I'm talking about myself. God can give you grace for your disgrace. Today is a day of salvation. If you hear my voice, harden not your heart. This is the time of provocation. This is the time to get right with God. This is the time to set your house in order. My call is not forever. My arm is not forever stretched out. This is your day. An open door. This is the space for repentance and forsaken and to turn from sin and to live a life free from sin you don't have to stay under that old master there's a whole brand new life awaiting us Paul wrote now I'm free from sin how Paul how do you do it I'm under a new master Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and if he's not Lord of every part of your life, he's not Lord at all. He will not be the minister of sin for anybody. Sin must not, shall not have dominion over the born again converted believer. You cannot say you're born again and still living in sin. You cannot say that you're a Christian and still walk crooked. You can't say you're a Christian and give it over to the works of the flesh. No! The Christian must learn to yield their life in the righteousness to the Master. As our members were instruments of sin, it's now become members of Christ. And without holiness, you cannot see God. You've got to be in subjection 
to this new master. Yes, said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will present my body, my soul, and my spirit as a living sacrifice to God. I'll starve myself from adultery. I'll starve myself from lie. I will not lie no more. I will not do my own way, God. It's your way, God, or no way at all. God, I bring myself under your guardianship. I'm talking about changing life, changing masterhood. I'll be in subjection to this new master because you are a servant to whom you obey. If you want to hear... What you want to hear, you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong church. Because the man of God said, I prophesied I was commanded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are not still the servant of sin if you make up in your mind to be a servant of Jesus Christ. There is a God that says, Sin shall not reign in your mortal body. This is Paul crying out for help. And God saying, Paul... Sin shall not reign in your mortal body if I am Lord of your life. If I am Lord of your life, you won't have to walk and live carnal minded anymore. If I am Lord and Master, and you call me that, and so I am, then you will always walk after the law of the Spirit and not of the flesh. Because you see, in the flesh you cannot please God. And except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what's it for me, God? I got this dead thing on my back. How can I deal with this dead? He says, I'll pay the debt you owe that you can't pay for. Well, Lord, what does it mean to be in subjection to you? It means that before Christ, you were carnal. Sold under sin. Now, if you're in Christ, you make free. By the spirit of liberty. For whom the Son set free is free indeed. Not just in words, but in deeds. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. James says, You don't look in the mirror and tomorrow forget what you saw. Deal with it. Amen. Before Christ, I was rebellious. Now in Christ I'm obedient. Before Christ I was stiff naked. Amen. Now in Christ I'm submissive. Before Christ I was sold under sin. But now I am purchased and free from sin. Before Jesus Christ I was on the dominion of sin. And now I'm liberated from sin. Before I was dead in my trespasses, but now I'm alive unto God. I'm a new creature. I've got a new master. I'm a new home. My tongue is under control. My mind is stayed on the Lord. My heart is fixed on God. I don't walk in slippery places. I'm given over to God. I'm no longer servant to sin. I'm servant to righteousness. My untamed tongue is now tamed. My corrupt lifestyle, I'm now living a life of holiness. I was stubborn, but now I'm teachable. I was miserable, but now I can live a life of peaceful living with God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because perfect love 
cast away all fear. I no longer live a life of fear. Amen. Before I was a vessel of dishonor. All that brought was dishonor, but now I can be a vessel of honor. What a beautiful change in my life. Since Jesus came in to stay. Before I couldn't please God or man, but now I can please God. Have peace with God. Before I was sinful, and now I can live a holy life. Praise God. Sin used to dwell in me, and now it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I got rid of the old man. There's a new man in my shoe. I don't do those things I used to do. There's been a great change in me. Why? Because now there's no condemnation. I gave up and surrendered all to Jesus. The struggle is over, Paul says. He said, who will deliver me? He said, Christ Jesus. Chapter 8 says, the struggle is over. The struggle is over. It is over. Now, the things I would not do, that I now do. And the things I used to do, that do I no more. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. What one time was atrocious to me is now blessed assurance. Hallelujah. The prodigal son... Walking down the road, the father and his brother, father, other son couldn't believe his same brother. You left this house cocky and haughty, and now you come back like a dove, all humble. What has happened to you? Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. I've been down the pigsty. I've been feeding among pigs. I've been heating up slop. Well, my God, I wish you had. Left the way you're coming in. All humble, you said. Father, take me back. I'm willing to submit to the laws that I rejected. I'm willing to put my life under the management of your control. Not as I will, but you just tell me what to do. You say jump, but I'll jump. You tell me run, I'll run. I'll do anything but just take me back. <laughs> Give me back my dignity. Give me back my acceptance. Give me back my beauty. Look at me, I'm tattered. I'm a disgrace to the fan. Look at me. I'm in no shape to be called a son. I'm not even qualified to come back as a son much more a servant but if you can find in your heart to forgive me I've lived in condemnation every time I go down to the slump I remember my sins I look in the slump and all I can see is my face and I thought oh there's so many people at home living better life than me why did I make this terrible mistake you see it he gave his rebellion. And he's coming home. Planning is re-entry. And God says, no, 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 no. No, no. 
It's not what you're planning I'm looking at. He's how truly repentant are you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He come back so humble, so broken, so empty. All I could hear behind him was condemnation. And he expected his father to be mean-spirited and angry and just eat him up. But all he found was just an open. murderer was activity and expect God to slap him and his sins bother him but only to hear those words go down the road and try one more time Stephen tried to tell you and listen you stop your ear you want to hear it I'm going to give you one more chance to hear this truth. Take it or leave it. But this is your chance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what do you want me to do? I mean, this real simple. Story. Tell me what you want me to do. Just tell me. Give me an order. So we'll go down to the street. I ain't telling you nothing. You're going to listen to my servant. Do what he says. Go down there and listen to what he says. He says, You do it or you're dead. Go down there. God blind them. We can't see. Could somebody take me to where I need to be? I can't see my own way. I've got to be cared. The first lesson of submission. When you were young, you did your own, your own thing, but now you won't do it no more. You'll be carried where you don't want to go. I'm going to make you go place you don't want to go. Hallelujah. If you're going to be saved, you have to submit to it or die lost. Paul, this is your chance. Okay, camera to the street, cross street. Who am I going to see? I don't know, but I'll sit down there. You don't have to know everything. Let's sit down. Let's sit down and wait. And wait. And wait. It's like ten years. Could they hurry up, please? What's he going to do with me? There's Paul blind. He can't see. Blind. I'm fasting for the last three days. The door knocked. Hallelujah. Brother Paul, or Saul rather, who are you? Never mind who I am. But God said to talk to you. Whoa, 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 what do you say? Well, you see, you're going to suffer a bunch of stuff you don't like. But I must pray for you as your eyes be open first. Hallelujah. That you may receive the Holy Ghost. Real Holy Ghost. Because you can't go through what you're about to go through unless you don't get the Holy Ghost. You can't serve God in the flesh. You got to in the spirit. You can't handle trial and tribulation in the flesh. You won't make it. You need the Holy Ghost. What are you going to go through? Hallelujah. We pray for him. And the battle scales fell off his eyes. It's amazing. Some people never have those scales come off their eyes. And they can't.
can see their need. It fell off his He said, why you tarry? Arise and be baptized. And the pastor said, well, the Pharisees don't believe that. The Pharisees don't practice that. But now he's broken. His will is controlled by the Holy God of Israel. Now he said, God, here's my will. But you just tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it. He said, rise and be baptized. <laughs> he baptized him. When he came up, Paul says, I talk in tongues more than anybody else in the churches. What a great change. When you met Jesus at the turning corner. When you decide to get tired of living on the condemnation. And you come home humble. Amen. Your pride gone out the door. And you're submissive. Do what you have to do. I'm the clay. He's the potter. Mold me any way you want me. Shake me. Break me. Mold me. Kick me. Burn me. Do everything. But don't stop refining me until I come up pure than silver and gold. You see, God will never take you out of that pot until all the dregs come off it. Until I can see my face and your face, I'll never think you're complete. Turn the fire up. It baptized him. All of a sudden, the thing he used to cuss and swear at, he said, I want to do it also. I'll do anything. What do we church doesn't want to do it? I mean, he wants to work for God. He wants to give his life to God. He's going out there and not, he forgot that he left a reputation out there. And this is a man. Is it the same Paul we know? The same guy. You don't understand, man? I'm free. I found the truth. My eyes are open. It pays to be submissive. It pays to be obedient. It pays to put your life under His control. Stand upon His wheel and stay off the reaching pile. And God will lift you up and give you a new life and make you a vessel of honor. You can live free, justified, water baptized, sanctified, glorified when you stand. I want to say right now, this book is the potter's wheel. And if you don't want to sit on it, there's a reject pile out there for you. Do you know what I said? There's a reject pile. Hallelujah. This word is a mirror, but it's a water. It doesn't show you what I am, what you are. It can wash away a little bit of soap. Can wash away my sins. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go in that smelting pot. Guess what? Too many drosses in your life. I want to put you and melt you down. You have to have a meltdown. And the God's not going to keep stirring the pot until I can see my face in your face. Romans chapter 8. Paul says, now, somebody can leave this church today and say, Now, I'm a new creature. Tongue, you're under his control. I now can be 
pronounced faultless. I now can be kept from falling. Is this the same Paul we used to know? Oh my God. He's preaching the gospel. He wants hated. I'm trying to tell somebody here the thing you used to hate are the thing you have to start doing right now. Our world will never make it because they're not willing to be converted. Would you buy it right now? I've cried my tears already. Are you going to weep your tears now? I know God's going to preach this. If He's not Lord over all, He's not Lord at all. Jesus Christ is not a deck of cards you shuffle around. You don't have to understand to obey Him. All He wants is your unreserved submission to Him. Paul said, there's no more condemnation to me. I'll never forget the day when I went down in water in 972. And God put a stop to my condemnation. And God said, never do you have to live in your past anymore. All you have is a future. Just hand me the management of your life. Control in my hands. So Lord, in essence I was saying, God, you're a passenger in my life. You are the driver of my life. I said, Lord, by myself I can't do it. I live in the flesh all my life. But you know what, God? You have to take me through the judgment hall and stand beside me and let me do the things I don't like doing and let me do the things no more I kept on doing anybody here this morning are you one of those donkeys never been ridden before on the way to Calvary he picked up a colt of an ass that's a difficult ride he sat on that donkey that nobody ever rode before that's a difficult thing to do that's a highly risk situation but he rode it into the city can he ride the horses of your mind you will never be used of God until you totally submit to God unreservingly and the first thing you're going to realize is he's Lord. And he don't explain nothing. He just demand. And whatever it takes to draw closer to 